This is Susanna Hills Podcast. We hope this message becomes a revelation in your heart and will encourage you to live a Christ-centered life. Thanks for checking out our podcast. Here's today's message. Hi everyone, we'd just like to welcome you to our online celebration. It's so good to have you here with us and um, sit back. We, we are really trusting that even there where you're at, that the Lord would minister to your heart. Open up your heart, allow the Lord to minister deeply. If you'd like to place comments in the comment section, please do, we'd love to connect with you in whatever way that is helpful. So we've been doing this series called Planted for Splendor. And today I'm gonna to be speaking about community, but I want us to go on a little bit of a journey. I always ask myself, why, when we're preaching about something, I ask, why are people not doing it? So what is the reason that people are struggling or do struggle to be in community? And as I was praying, I really felt the Lord started to speak to me about loneliness. And so I wrote a poem which I really feel um, describes what some people are feeling. I walk into a room, there are people everywhere. I look around and see them, yet inside the ground I stare. Longing to belong and yet this isolation, longing to be known, deep inside feels desperation. I say that I'm longing to be known, but do I really? Knowing that what's deep inside me, others might find scary. Would it be okay to let them in? Would it be okay if others knew my sin? I choose to close my heart. I rather choose to hide, choosing to protect the pain that's hidden deep inside. This pain has all become a part of my identity. The pain is what I choose to hide so others cannot see. Will I ever be free? I heard that there is one that can bring freedom to one's soul, a person that can reach inside of me and make me whole. But looking deep inside myself, the darkness is so deep. How much light is needed for the pain I choose to keep? I've heard that there is one called freedom. I heard that his name is Jesus. And so I choose to open up the depths of my cold heart. He tells me that he calls me holy, says I'm set apart. He tells me that I am his child. He's calling me by name. He tells me that he'll cleanse me and I'll never be the same. Again, he says, I am his child. He says that I belong to him. Not only pours his love in me, he pours his actual self. How is it that this great big God of all the universe puts himself into my being and says that I have worth? His light inside me, every piece of darkness slowly transforms. Slowly he removes all pain. Himself in me he forms. He says that when I walk into a room, things start to change. The darkness trembles at my sight. Inside of me it fears his light. He keeps me brave. He keeps me strong, reminding me that I belong. And then I look at others all around and start to see I'm part of something so much bigger, much bigger than just me. A safe place for my lonely heart. No judgment of my sin and pain. I'm part of an eternal hope and Christ is what I gain. This is only truly found in Christ-centered community. Me laying down my life for you. Will you lay yours down for me? And I want to ask you, 
if you would be brave enough to go on this journey of taking yourself where you feel lonely, even though you walk into rooms and, and you feel like you can be surrounded by people, yet deep inside you still feel alone, I want to invite you on a journey of discovering what it means to be part of something so much bigger than yourself. Not just in a room, not just part of the others that are part of this, but really being a part of it, really belonging to something so much greater. And now when we look around us, loneliness is the epidemic that we see. During COVID, many, many, many people went into deeper loneliness. They were alone physically, but even coming out of that space, even when connecting with people, they are still longing for something, longing for a deeper connection, longing to be known while also fearing to be known. And many people want to have that connection. And perhaps you sitting there and you thinking to yourself, I am longing for deeper connection. I am longing for deeper relationships. But I don't feel like I belong. I don't feel like I fit. People don't understand me. And would others really want to know me? And if they did, if they really knew what was deep inside my heart, would they still want to know me? And in 1 John 3 verse 16 it says, And this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and our sisters. And sometimes when you read the scripture, you think to yourself, but do people want my life laid down for them? Is my life worthy of being laid down? And I hope that this morning or this evening or whatever time of day you are listening, that the Lord would show you that you are part of something so much bigger and before we belong to one another, we need to first realize that we belong to God. And so we're going to be looking at John 17, and I want to encourage you to take some time to read the whole of the chapter. Um, I cannot sit and, and read through the whole chapter, so I'm going to be taking different verses from the passage. But please take some time to do that when you can. John 17 verse 9 says, and this is Jesus, so he's praying to the Father and he's praying for believers everywhere. He's not only praying for the disciples at that current time, he's praying for those that will believe through their message. And you'll see that in this text. So he's praying this prayer for us. So verse 9 says, I'm praying for them. I'm not praying for the world but for those you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours and yours are mine and I am glorified in them. So what God is saying, what Jesus is praying here, he's saying they are mine and they are yours. And if you go back a bit and you read verse six, it says they were always yours. So we have always belonged to God, but God then gives us this choice he says, you belong to me, but then he says, but you can choose whether you want to belong to me. He gives us, he allows us to choose whether or not we really want to belong to him. And that's the beauty of this God. But he still says, he's calling us by name. He still says, you are mine. Isaiah 43 says, but now thus says the Lord who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, the God of the universe that formed you, says, fear not, 
for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name, you are mine. So just take a moment and say that to yourself. I belong to him. Hear him saying those words to you. You are mine. And then we go back to John 17 and verse 11 and it says this. And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world. And I am coming to you, Holy Father. Keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. And we're going to be speaking a little bit more about this becoming one. Verse 20. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. And verse 26, I made known to them your name and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me, so this love that the Father has for Jesus may be in them and I in them. So firstly, We've looked at the fact that we belong to God. He says, you are mine. But let's have a look at this relationship that God has with himself. So before anything, before throughout all eternity, God has had this absolutely beautiful relationship with himself, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He says in verse 11 that they may be one even as we are one. So we first need to realize that the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are in this, in this beautiful relationship with each other. Some have called it this beautiful dance that they have, where the one, brings, the one points to the other. They're continuously pointing to one another. And Jesus, I mean, Jesus, he says, I only do what I see the Father doing. I only, and I, he looks to the Father, but the Father draws us to the Son. And the Son is the exact representation of the Father. And so this shared life has always existed. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He says, let us, let us create man. So God is in this beautiful relationship with himself. And Jesus doesn't, we don't find Jesus praying that he would be in unity with the Father because he already knows that he's one with the Father. They are in relationship with one another. And then there's this beautiful passage in Ephesians 1 where it says, he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. So what happens next is there's this beautiful relationship that exists. And then God says, but I want us, you and me. He invites us to become part of that relationship. He invites us in to this beautiful relationship that has always existed. And he does this through the power and infilling of the Holy Spirit. So he fills us with himself. And by filling us with himself, we become part of this beautiful relationship that has always existed. And he calls us to be one with him. And before we can be one with one another, we need to have a deeper revelation of being one with him. And from that place, 
from that place of belonging to him, from that place of being invited into this, this beautiful relationship that has always existed, we come into community with one another. And the word community, we can look at it and we can see the words common unity. And what we need to realize, when, when we start to think about community and when we start to think about unity within the church, unity can never be the goal. Unity can never be what we strive to attain. That is not the focus. The focus is becoming one with Jesus. The more I become one with him, the more I will be in unity. The more I'm in unity with him, the more I will be in unity with one, we will be in unity with one another. So John 17, Jesus says, I have brought glory to you here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. So Jesus, the way that he, he brought glory to God on earth was that he did what the Lord had, what the Father had asked him to do. And that is the way for us as believers coming together in unity. The, one, the thing that we all are yearning and wanting to do is to bring glory to God. And the way that we do that is by completing the work that he has called us to do. And that work is this thing called the Great Commission. We preached on this a few weeks ago, but this great co-mission, I wanna to touch on it again, means that we are on mission together. If you look at the prefix co, it means joint, jointly, mutual, mutually, together, in partnership, equality, if you see the word co-founder, it means that they found something together. Co-pilot, they, are, pilot, they are, are doing something together. And that is the great co-mission. We are together on mission, in community. And even when you look at this thing of personal prophecy, if your pers when you take your personal prophecy and you look, okay, the way that I bring glory to God is by doing what God has called me to do. Okay, what has God called me to do? But I always, always need to take my personal prophecy and say, how does it fit into the bigger picture? Because my personal life is a sub-point to the great point of the Great Commission. So I always need to be asking myself, how does what God has called me to do fit into the bigger picture? And that is how we come into unity with one another. Do we pray for unity? Oh, yes. I sometimes get a little bit nervous when everywhere people start to pray for unity and pray against disunity. And, and I think to myself, oh my gosh, who's in, who's in disunity or what's going on? And so do we need to pray for unity? Of course. But while praying for unity, we first need to look at our own hearts and we need to look and say, am I in unity? Am I looking at my life and saying, how can I live in such a way that I bring the best out in this person? Because remember what, what John 17 said, it said that by becoming one, the world will know him. So the more we come together and we celebrate one another and we enjoy what God has placed in each other and we take what God has called us to and we add it to something bigger, that is the gospel being preached. That is the beauty of, of this, this glorious gospel and it's only done by the power of the Holy Spirit, us laying down our lives and saying, 
I lay down my life for you. Will you lay yours down for me? And so when we look at this beautiful relationship between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, I want us to look at a few scriptures because we can learn from them. If we, if we want to be one with one another, we should have a look at how the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are one. So John 5 verse 19 says, Jesus gave them this answer. Very truly I tell you, the Son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees the Father doing. Because whatever the Father does, the Son does also. So if the Son can do nothing by himself, how can we as mere humans think that we can do anything by ourselves? John 16 from verse 13. But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you. So this is speaking about the Holy Spirit. He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me, so he will glorify Jesus, the Holy Spirit glorifies Jesus, because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That, that is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. So even the Holy Spirit, so God himself, if God himself must, does this, then we too should, should live this way. So the Son is the exact representation of the Father. The Father draws people, draws us to the Son, who is the exact representation. And then the Holy Spirit empowers us to represent Jesus. And we only do what we see Jesus doing by the power of the Holy Spirit. So coming back to this concept of common unity, this one mission, the great co-mission, I want to ask us some questions. What is Pizza Hut known for making? Pizza Hut is known for making pizza. Burger King, known for making burgers. KFC, known for making chicken. Well, not making chicken, but cooking it really well to make it taste awesome. But what is the church known for? What should we be known for making? We're called to make disciples. That is what the church, and, and even where we've had people come and say, oh, all churches need to become one church, and so we create this, this external thing, and let's invite everybody to join this external thing so that all churches can be, that's never gonna bring unity. The way that unity is achieved is by us doing what we are all called to do by us making dis disciples, making followers of Jesus, becoming more like Jesus so that others can also become more like Jesus. And so when we have church, you look at our church and we want to organize discipleship. So we say, okay, you cannot sit in, you can't just sit in rows, you need to sit in circles. And yes, we need to sit in circles. But if Jesus is not at the center of that circle, and when I'm looking across the room to the person sitting there, and I'm not looking at them through Jesus, and I'm not looking at myself and seeing Jesus and becoming more like Jesus, then I'm not making disciples. We have to keep Jesus as the focus in every relationship. The same way the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, honoring each other. We honor Him and we bring Him into our relationships. So as we become one, as John 17 says, 
we preach the gospel because the world looks and they see this oneness. They see Jesus. They see him. And so when it comes to all of these things, I really felt for us to look at some practical ways that through our relationships with one another, through our becoming vulnerable with one another, we can become one through the power of the Holy Spirit and we can display Jesus to this world that needs to see him. And so I've invited a friend, her name is Danny. She actually has her PhD. Um, she's a scientist, so she knows, she knows science, like stuff that's legit. <laughs> and the beauty of this science is that it doesn't contradict the Bible. The Bible already said it. Science just confirms what the Bible has already been telling us. <laughs> and so I'm going to invite her just to share a little bit around how biologically us as humans, as we connect with each other, how love, loyalty, and trust is attained in our relationships. So let's take a moment to have a listen to her findings. Okay, so this is my good, good friend, Danny. We have been friends for many, many years. And like I said, she is a scientist. And so she has some really, really cool discoveries. And so let's have a listen. Thanks, Ains. So, yeah, um, I just love what Ainsy was saying, just how the Bible literally has said it, and science is kind of just discovering it. And I, I think that's been a lot of my walk with uh, in the science field, just how God is like, I'm the creator, and I've got so much to share and for you guys to discover. And so um, Ainsy was just asking me about um, just how could I share about um, just some of the, the research I've been doing, uh, which has been uh, specifically looking at love, trust, and loyalty. And, um, but looking at the biomarker, so looking at what goes on inside the body um, to give us love, trust, and loyalty. And, um, but there's two things I really want to focus on today. And the first one I want to focus on is loneliness and what happens to us with loneliness. And then I'm going to speak a bit about trust. And so I was reading this article from the uh, British Medical Journal, which is quite a prestigious journal. And um, how they described loneliness is they said, loneliness is when you have a specific level um, of desire in your heart for meaningful social interactions, but then the actual meaningful social interactions that you have with people doesn't meet that standard, doesn't meet that level. And that's when, when you hit loneliness. And so God has really created us to have these um, social but meaningful social interactions. So you can literally be in a room with a whole lot of people and you can still really feel lonely because you're not um, connecting with those people in a meaningful way. So for example, if you're a believer and you're with a whole lot of unbelievers, you're not speaking the same language. There's no common ground. There's, um, yeah, so that really, really can lead to loneliness. So people are I was saying, like, how can I be surrounded by so many people and still feel so lonely? And it's because of that, that, that the connections that you're having with the people are not really meaningful. And then um, I was also saw that there's also growing evidence that this loneliness um, can link to health problems. So um, you're there's an increased risk of dying. Um, they, they say that loneliness and 
poor social connections is just as bad as for you as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Wow. So it has the same effect on your body, sure. which is just really, really crazy. And then also um, it can lead to heart problems, it can lead to anxiety, it can lead to sleeping issues. And those are just like a few of the things that loneliness is linked to. And um, so what they said in this article as well was that part of the solution for this loneliness is for communities to be involved, that we need to be connected, we need to be in the room with each other. And so, um, as I said, I was looking at love, trust, and loyalty, and one of the aspects of trust is that um, trust is an essential part of social connections, and it is sure. also crucial for community well-being. So how healthy is the community? And that is by our levels of trust. And so how do we, um, how do we trust each other? And I say, as I said, like, this this topic was not something I was really comfortable with. I like really like looking at the physiology side of things. So having to look at something as abstract as trust was really, really difficult for me. And the Lord spoke to me through this in the most incredible ways, just as Andy said earlier, like practically, how does this look? And um, so the first way of increasing trust is literally with handshakes. How do you, when you shake somebody's hand, give them a hug, give them an elbow group, give them a high five, that, just that touch um, releases a chemical in your body which tells you, I can trust this person. And um, there was another thing as well as like a, there was a sports team that what they did is they did a study and these guys literally just gave each other high fives. And by doing that high five, the level of the team, the, uh, the trust in the team was higher and they performed better as a team. Wow. So even what Ainsley was saying earlier, just um, as us being a church and being together, just shaking hands, high-fiving each other, we will also do well together as a team and as a body. And then um, the other thing was is that our body releases about 1,840 different chemicals from our skin. And uh, we can smell that. Not, I'm not saying go and sniff somebody now and go, okay, how do you smell? What compound, you know, what chemical are you releasing off your skin? <laughs> That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying we, we, we pick this up subconsciously. And in, there's some compounds there as well that we smell that also, again, increases the level of trust. And then there was, there was another experiment that was done, and this experiment is called breaking bread, um, which is quite ironic because, you know, us as Christians, we like breaking community, ah, community, mm -hmm. communion, mm -hmm. and that is, uh, you know, just, again, a thing that we do together. So this breaking bread um, test in the science world means literally eating together. They did an experiment where they broke bread and gave each other pieces of bread and how they saw that increased the levels of trust but also eating um, the same food eating sharing dishing from the same pot increased the level of trust or even eating the same sweets just increased the level of trust and they said well what happens if somebody um wore the same clothes does that increase the level of trust and that mm -hmm. didn't it was this thing of being in the room eating the same food together um, smelling each other, high-fiving, touching, all of this really is important for um, yeah, just those social incorrect mm. in, um, connections and increasing the level of trust, building community. Mm. And yeah, sure. that's really what I just wanted to share. Wow. 
uh, just in terms of trust, yeah. Wow, and just as you as you've been as you've been sharing, Danny, I'm just thinking about the fact that as we read in John 17, that the way that the world will know Him is through our common unity, through our oneness, mm -hmm. and that it's so important that it's not just going to happen. And you think of how COVID attacked that very thing. And it was the enemy would use that because he doesn't want the world to see Jesus. And just, mm. I'm, I'm thinking as you were sharing, sometimes I'd be walking and I would smell a certain smell and it would remind me of my, my gran and it would be, remind me of my family and just how that would just make me think about them. And so I want to encourage you, even specifically for those meet that are only meeting online, if you're wanting to build trust, you need to be with other people. Yeah. You need to be with the body of Christ. And, and we need to be in one another's company, eating together, sharing meals together. And that is how, that is the, how we end up preaching the gospel. Because Jesus is at the center of that all, of all of that. We, him being one, as Jesus was saying in John 17, that him and the Father and the Spirit, they are one, and he invites us into that oneness. He invites us into that relationship, but he doesn't just invite me, and he doesn't just invite Danny, he, he invites Danny as well. He invites both of us, and together with others, we all become part of this beautiful relationship that has always existed throughout all eternity. And so just practically, like just what Danny's been saying, we need to be, and that is why we're constantly hearing, we cannot just sit in, in rows, we need to sit in circles, we need to be in one another's homes, mm. we need to be breaking bread together, we need to be with one another, because us being with one another, becoming one, will end up, the, the gospel will end up being preached, mm. because the world, like we read in John 17, the world will know him because of our oneness. Mm. Let's pray. Will you pray for us? Yeah. Lord Jesus, I want to just thank you for who you are and just how you've taught us about what unity is, how you've taught us about how it is so important, Lord, that we are together, that we're in the room together, Lord, that we are just sharing you, we're witnessing um, to people, Lord Jesus. And also, Lord Jesus, just with the way that we trust each other, we love each other, Lord, that's going to pull the people in, Lord, that don't know you, Lord Jesus, because they're going to see your heart reflecting, Lord. And I want to thank you for those opportunities, Lord Jesus. And we, yeah, we just want to give you all the honor and glory today and for your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us for today's message. Don't forget to check out our website or visit City on a Hill International on Instagram or Facebook for our updates, celebration times, or ways you can get involved. We are also streaming our message on Facebook Live, so make sure you join us or share the post. Thanks again for checking out our podcast. We'll see you soon.